So today we're in game plan part two. And I want to talk to you a little bit today about teaming up. Say, teaming up. We need to team up with God. Amen? And we need to team up with one another. Anybody ever play sports? A few of you in here. Quite a few of you. Uh, your coach ever say, hey, you need to team up. Right? Uh, how many of you ever seen Michael Jordan play basketball? Now, some would argue that LeBron James is as great as Michael Jordan. Sorry. N not there, right? Uh, I got to watch, uh, the other day I was watching some videos just to kind of brush up and, and kind of see some of those stories. But, you know, Michael Jordan, when he was in middle school, he was cut from, from uh, the team. He didn't make, make the cut. And uh, it, it, he, he tells the story of how that caused him to, to work even harder, that he was going to show everybody, you know, the competitiveness in him was going to show everyone that he could make it. Let me say this. There's good competitiveness, competitiveness and bad competitiveness. Amen? And all I know is, is that we need to run our race. And if we, if we have anybody we're trying to show up, let me tell you who you're trying to show up in your life. You're trying to show up the devil. Huh? Trying to be like your Savior. And the more you're like your Savior, the less hold... The enemy has that opposing team if you will right uh the team we call it team demons and then you got team angels team, team people of god if you will the work of god the kingdom of god that we're all working together now in the last series on super bowl sunday i'm going to share about playing on a winning team and trust me when i'm done with that message you will know whether or not you're playing on the winning team and if you're not you can get on the winning team and you can pursue what God has called you to do. And you, I promise, will have the victory that Jesus Christ secured for you when he was resurrected from the dead. Amen? Amen. And so I want to just brush up last week for those who weren't here. Last week we talked about the fundamentals of the game. But the big question for all of us is, God, what should I do with my life? You know, what am I supposed to do with this life that I've been given? And I know that... that that, that every single one of us in here, we, we realize that, that in this mortal body, there's a day when this life comes to an end. I mean, we're no longer in this mortal body. How many of us have ever gone to a funeral? And, 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 and there's a reason why a lot of times when people go to funerals, it's weddings and funerals. Like, weddings inspire people. I want to do better in my marriage. You know, I, you know, I want to have a better life. And, and when you go to a funeral, you think one thing, man, what am I doing with my life? You know, you do start to think about what lies beyond this mortal life. And the question that goes through people's mind at those moments is like, is there life after this? You know, um, how am I living my life between the dash, if you will? You know, for, this is when I'm born and this is when I lay off this mortal body. When, when, when I'm dead, uh, I go on into eternity. And what's that going to look like? Is there life after this? And last week I pointed out that when we come to Christ, that it's not that one day we'll have eternal life. It's that we have eternal life now. And we're, we're meant to live for eternity in this mortal flesh for God. Paul the Apostle exhorted God's people and he said this. He said, I would that when, when you stand before Christ, that you are able to present yourselves, right? Um, spirit, soul, and body blameless say blameless, blameless. so th that's victory and if we're going to win that kind of victory we kind of got to team up we can't do it by ourselves. we need other people to help us we need the holy spirit to help us we need god's word to guide us right the playbook if you will we need to let that guide us and so 
uh, what should I do with my life? And in the big idea last week, I talked about uh, Christ is your life. You know, the, the, the conclusion we have to come to is it's like, it's my life. No, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet it's not I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. And when I embrace that, all of a sudden it's like, Jesus, what do you want to do today? You know, uh, somebody mistreats you. It's Jesus. Uh, you know, we got to do the WWJD, right? It's cliche, but it's true. Every situation we're in, it's kind of like, how would Jesus handle this situation? How would he handle this? And, and if we can come to that conclusion from what God word, God's word teaches us about Jesus, then all of a sudden we start to live just a little bit more like Jesus. Amen. Christ is your life. And the scripture that I read last week was Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. That, that right hand, the, the, the word study, when you study that out all through scripture, you find out to set at the right hand means the place of power and authority. And we know that when Christ ascended and gave us a great commission, he said all power and authority had been given to me, meaning Jesus, and he tells us to go therefore. He goes through, uh, uh, go into all the world, right? Um, and make disciples, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you to do, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And all I know, the end of my age, you know, there's the end of the age when Christ returns, and all this is wrapped up, and there'll, you know, the the, the earth will be renovated. There'll be a new heaven and there'll be a new earth. But I want to tell you that all of us are, are, are in this uh, sprint, if you will. Your life is a vapor. It, it, it is a rapid approach to the end of your age. And at the end of your age, there's, there, there's that place where, how did I live my life? Was it reflecting of Christ or was it reflective of me? Amen? And, and that's what he's saying. Is set our, to set our mind on the realities of heaven. Christ has all the power. We need to just look to him. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. You'll share in his glory. What is that? Uh, you'll have reward. There will be a, a, a recognizing anybody that's played in sports understands if you compete right you get to that point what are you competing for a what recognition uh, you want the trophy isn't that right you want to win right you want to win anybody wake up in the morning and go man I really want to be a good loser today anyone it's like man I hope I'm the best loser you know on the face of the planet today you know, I'm hope that, I hope I'm the best loser in my marriage today. I hope I'm the best loser as a father, as a mother, as, as a child, you know. Um, I, I hope I'm the best loser in my career. I hope I'm the best loser at everything I do. Anybody? Nobody. Now, we might wake up and think, man, I'm such a loser in that area. I'm such a loser in this area. You know, the good thing about recognizing if you're losing is you can do something about it. You can do something about it. I recognize here's where I'm at. This is my point A. Uh, my point B, I don't want to continue to be a loser in something. I want to be a winner. God wants you to be a winner. And I don't mean that in just a, hey, positive thinking. Think yourself into being a winner. I'm saying think on things above, not things beneath. Don't think on worldly things. Think on heavenly things. Think on the word of God. Meditate on his word. And you just might find yourself starting to win the way that God wins. Amen. 
Now, winning indicates this for you. There is opposition. You're not going to win something because you didn't have to work at something. You've got to put discipline to it. Amen? So as I said in the fundamentals of, of the game, here's, here's what we learned out of Colossians 3, 1 through 4. The number one, you need to embrace your new life. You need to embrace that new life. Be who God's called you to be. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Right. Let them be new in your life. Amen? Renew your mind. You can't think the way you used to think. You can't think the way you're thinking now in certain areas. You've got to renew your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, the Bible says, by the renewing of your mind, the washing of the water of the world. Uh, world. The washing of the water of the word. That what happens is, is that as you start to read the word of God, um, you know, your brain gets washed. Like many of them Christians, they're just a bunch of brainwashed people. Come on now. Anybody that came to Christ, your life starts like, man, you've been brainwashed. Come on. Now, now I get the negative of that, right? Manipulative brainwashing. But I want you to know that God's not a manipulator. He's a transformer. And I'm not talking about the movie Transformers. I'm talking about he changes you. His word will wash your mind. It will cleanse your thoughts and cause you to do things differently than you've ever done them. I need a drink of water. Thank you, sister. Hmm. This is just a recap from last week, man. Come on. Somebody said to me this past week, man, when there's a sermon before the sermon, you know something hot's about to happen. So, so, so the third thing was make the sacrifice. Make the sacrifice. And just remember this. You are the sacrifice. Make the sacrifice in your life. Sacrifice yourself. Lay yourself on the altar of God. Yes, you're a living sacrifice. It's not like you're really dead. You're still alive, but you're dead to yourself and alive to Christ. Amen. And then identify who you really are. If you die to yourself, you've got to discover your identity in Christ. The Bible refers to that, to know who you are in Christ and then flip it to know who Christ is in you. There's this work that's going on. I I've often pointed out, like, sometimes I feel like God's bringing me along more than I'm pursuing. And other times I feel like I'm pursuing God, and I'm like, where are you at? Come on, anybody? You're in that pursuit. It's like sometimes I feel like God's pulling me along. It's like, I know, I feel God, hey, man, come this way. And I can feel his grace, and I can feel all his love, and I feel it pulling me more than I want to go his way. And other times I'm in that place of like, I'm in the Word, and okay, man, I want, God, I want more of you than I've ever had. And I'm praying, and I'm like, it doesn't seem like you're even around, Lord. Where are you at? Ah, he's working something deep in me, deeper than's ever been before. You know, desire is something that grows, not as a result of always getting what you want. Come on now. But the discipline of pursuing it. That's quotable. You can tweet that. (laughs) Come on now. So with these things in mind, I want to suggest that while we have freedom to choose what we do, that our coach is calling us to team up. God's calling us to team up, to use our unique gifts for our common purpose. When we know who we are, we start to discover the gifts that we have. 
know that God has a greater purpose for that as it links up together, working for his kingdom. Us, each one being a living stone connected together, having gifts differing that we're connecting and serving and and ministering to one another and ministering to the greater community, taking the message of the gospel and seeing people who do not have a relationship with Christ come into a relationship with Christ. Helping people to, to find freedom in their life, freedom from the things that set them back, the weights and the sins that, as the Bible says, keep them from fall or, or, or pursuing Christ, keep them from walking in the call of God. The weights and the sins that the Bible says that beset us, it holds us back, it sets us back. And if you want to win, there's only so many setbacks you can go through before you get to a win. Come on now. You got to have others on the team. You got to team up and work together so that you can work through those things in life and have victory. The Bible says that, that God, if we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. Those weights and sins, he's faithful and just to wipe the slate clean as often as we'll come back to him with a genuine heart and have repentance. But most of us never find freedom because we don't confess our sins to one another. The Bible says that you confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. You can't really get better because, again, God's so good and he's so loving. Oh, messed up again. God, would you forgive me? Yes. And I messed up again. And God, would you forgive me? But no accountability. When we're not teamed up, what happens is it really leaves us to our own demise ever coming back to Christ and never living the fullness that Christ has called us into. So we need to team up and work together. Oops, work together for a particular purpose, kingdom of God. Team up. First <clears throat> Corinthians 3, 7 through 8. It says, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters working together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Now let me give you there real quick, team up. Here's what it means because you heard me read that. Works together with the same purpose. Say that with me. Works together with the same purpose. Now let me read the definition from the dictionary. Team up to join with someone or others to get the work done. A group of people join together to achieve, uh, to, to achieve the same action. Listen, work together for a, t- a particular purpose. Work together for a particular purpose. So the very scripture we read defines exactly what the dictionary says about teaming up. And that is that we work together for a t- particular purpose. Amen. Paul here is basically talking about a team of farmers. How many of you are farmers in here? Okay. Nobody. How many grew up around a farm? Hands high. How many worked on a farm before? A few people. I grew up working on a farm, and I can tell you right now, it took a lot of people doing a lot of things. The seed had to go into the ground at the right time, and there was a lot of work going into that. And all I know is once the seed was in the ground, all we could do is watch and hope. Watch and hope the rains would come, that the the, the crop would grow and it would have the right environment. And you know what? We, farmers have no control over that. You get it? And then what would happen is harvest time came and guess what we had to do? We had to team up and get out there. So you got a combine running or two. You got, you got uh, uh, trucks and wagons that the grain's going into. 
uh, it's been driven to the to the um, to the uh, granary. You got you got some folks uh, whipping up some food because once you're in the field, you're not getting out till the field's harvested. They bring your food out, and here you go, eat up while you're on the tractor or you're on the combine or whatever, and keep on going. You hearing what I'm saying? Jesus said this about the harvest: the harvest is great, the laborers are few. Let me say we we don't have a when we make the decisions to do what we do, it's kind of like, you know, I've served God in my life and done things that are faithful and not see the immediate result of what I hope for. But make no mistake about it, God's still at work in my life. He's still at work at the harvest for my life. It's just that I'm, I'm interpreting the season of my life to be, see, how many of you want a season of harvest all the time? Yeah, come on, lightning will strike this room if you keep on. How many of you are like, I want to receive, I want to receive, I want to receive, I want to receive. Come on now, right? But how hard is it when it comes, you know, the seed time, like, I want to give, I want to give, I want to give. Oh, man, it just got real in here, didn't it? Uh, how quick am I like, man, I want to, I want to, I want, but to give, to team up with God and his principles and, and to be a giver and a receiver, right? The Bible refers to both, but know that God's at work. He's, he's the one performing the miracle between the two. He's the one orchestrating everything together. And, and here's what it comes down. Look, I could, I could sow and I could reap and, and deny God in my life. And the reality is, is everything that I would do in this life would be meaningless when I come to the next one. When that moment comes and this life's over and I stand before the Lord and I've not done anything with the gifts, anything with the resource that brought, God brought in my life to further his kingdom, to to bring him honor and glory in the midst of everything that I have, guess what happens? It's still, it means nothing. There's a lot of philanthropy out there that has a humanistic mindset that says, well, we're doing good to our glory and to our praise. Amen. And I need to just tell you that God's kingdom doesn't work that way. We're his creation. He created us for good works. We got to be okay that it's all. Say all that it is all to his glory come on that's the hard one right we want the glory we want the recognition but can we work for the kingdom of God can we serve one another to his recognition can we honor God with who we are and I say that that is what teaming up really is hmm. so people who team up number one people who team up root for the play People who team up root for the play. Amen. Why do I say root for the play? You ever watch a team? You, you, anybody ever see a ball hog? <laughs> Somebody like LeBron James? The difference between, anyway, I'm not going there. That's a rabbit trail I'll probably not get back from. And uh, so, I, uh, so as I instruct uh, our other uh, teachers and ministers here and, and young people, uh, young leaders as I'm training them up, uh, be careful with your illustrations. You take an illustration too far, you paint yourself in the corner, and the next thing you know, you're preaching heresy because you focused on the illustration rather than God's word. Come on now. We've got to make sure God's word is our focus. Look, so the root, we root for the play. Listen to verse 7 out of our passage. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. It's not about the planter or the waterer. It's about the play. God says plant, Right? Another waters, he's the one that's going to do the work to cause the increase to come. And guess who gets to benefit from it? We already read that part, so I won't jump to my last point too quick. 
Now, under root for the play, I want to share a story. Anybody heard, ever heard of Calhoun? The story of Calhoun, anybody? Nobody? Listen to this story. Calhoun was a favorable ball, ball carrier of the local fans, but on a particular day, the quarterback was not giving him the ball. As the game wore on, the home team was getting behind the fan, or excuse me, the home team was getting behind, and the fans began to chant, Give the ball to Calhoun! Give the ball to Calhoun! They were ignored. They were ignored. It was the third down, and the fans began to get louder and louder. Give the ball to Calhoun! Give the ball to Calhoun! Hmm. The frustrated quarterback walked out of the huddle, motioned for silence, right? Motions for silence. He finally gets the crowd to quiet down. He cups his hands around his mouth and he shouts, Calhoun don't want the ball! <laughs> we got to team up, right? And, and the quarterback knows what's going on in the huddle. The fans don't. And here's what I would say is in that moment, the fans had a responsibility to start chanting for the team, to start, start calling out for the team rather than an individual player. Why? Because Calhoun didn't want the ball. You know, sometimes we want a certain person to have the ball. We want a certain person to be. But the reality is, is God's given us all gifts. And at different times, every single one of us need to have the ball. My question today, do you want the ball? Do you want to team up? What's your gift? Use your gift for the body of Christ. Use your gift for your family. Use your gift for your community. Amen? There will always be differing opinions. But the thing that matters most is finding common purpose. Team up. Understanding so that we're rooting one another on, not pulling one another down, but rooting one another on forward into what God's called us to do. Amen? So people who team up, number two, is they push others to greatness. People who team up push others to greatness. Verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. Here's a story for you. There was a newspaper editor and... Uh, there had been a hurricane, and there was down lines. There was all kinds of damage that had been done. And, and uh, so he calls two reporters, and he said, look, there's a lot of lines down in the neighboring city, and I want you two to go over there, and I want you to, you know, put a story together. And it's kind of like, well, why, why two? It's kind of like, well, the lines are down, but they don't know if they're alive or, 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 or they're dead. And so one of you are going to touch the line, the other's going to write the story. <laughs> I just wonder... I just wonder which one, when they got there, was willing to touch the wire and let the other one go on to be the glorious writer, you know, because one's life was going to end and the other was going to go on, right, and be famous, correct? So the, the reality here is this, is that who are you willing to serve? When you team up, you've got to be willing to serve the people around you. You've, gotta, you've got to push others to greatness, so ask, write this question down for yourself. So you, you can ask yourself and only you will really know. Are you pushing others up? Are you, are, you, are you supporting them and pushing them to greatness? Or are you pulling them down so you can look greater? You ever seen something like that? In a work environment, church environment, home environment? That if I tear somebody down, I actually look better? No, we need to, we need to lift people up. The Bible talks about lifting, lift them up in prayer. Lift them up in encouragement. I like what the um, uh, 
founder of Chick-fil-A said, no one ever died because of too much encouragement. You know, but I'll tell you this, man. People give up when they're being discouraged. So don't push people down. Push them on to greatness. Amen. Listen to what Philippians 2, 1 through 4 in the Message Bible says in regard to that thought. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Can you say amen, saints? And people who team up, number three, people who team up play their position. They play their position. Verse 8b, and both, or 8b, both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Team members who know how to play their position offensively and defensively reflect a team-up attitude. So think about it this way, that, that you take, you remember Peter and John? I mean, would you say two of the most prominent disciples, or if not the most prominent, we know Peter, James, and John. Let me do it this way. If, if you take Jesus, he calls his 12 disciples. Amen, you with me? He calls his 12 disciples. But the Bible says that out of those 12, there were three. Peter, James, and John. And he would often just go off with those three. Now, the others could have been offended by that. Agreed? And they were at times. Um, but, but you have this moment where Peter, Peter's kind of like the, can I say he's the loud mouth, don't know how to, he just doesn't know quite how to tame his tongue, say what he thinks, and any time he thinks, wherever he thinks to say it. Y'all with me on that? So, so Peter's that bold, just say what he thinks, and, and Christ is trying to form in him that ability to be gracious in his communication, to, to prefer others in the way that he communicates, that is he lifting them up or is he tearing them down? John was called the beloved disciple. Jesus and John had this, just a, a real uh, endearment, you know, a real close uh, uh, relationship. And uh, there was a point where what was going on is, is Peter, Peter was... Uh, you know, Jesus is talking to him about his role and Satan's going to sift you and I've prayed for you that your faith not fail you. And he's coaching him, he's mentoring him. And, and as they're walking along, there's a point where, you know, Peter's kind of like, well, John's kind of trailing behind him. He's like, well, what about him? And Jesus, basically, this is what he says, don't worry about him, worry about yourself. Amen. Worry about yourself on your responsibility. Play your position do your part. Fulfill the call of God. Make your calling and election sure by pursuing Christ. And what will happen is, is as he's forming his purpose in you, that purpose is going to link up and connect as you team up with God's people. As you team up with him in prayer and word. Hey, by the way, uh, right after Super Bowl Sunday, um, on that Monday, we're kicking off a seven-day fast. Who's in for that? Like, great. Now you want to throw that out there when you're talking about teaming up. <laughs> Yeah, team up with us, you know, do a seven-day fast, fast something, you know, and what we'll find, the Bible talks about that we draw nearer to God spiritually when we fast those natural things, and we get nearer to him. Now, make no mistake about it, 
as you get nearer to him in that, you're going to feel what I was talking about earlier. I'm pursuing God by fasting, but you're going to in some ways feel further away from him until you've come through it. <laughs> Your stomach's going to start screaming like, God, how could you put me through this? I'm so hungry right now. But you've got to know that there's a reward that comes after you've been faithful to do those things. Amen? So uh, here's kind of what it comes down to on playing our position. And it, nobody's more important than anybody else. Everybody is important in the body of Christ. Amen? This is what 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 21 says. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not the hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not the eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Can you say amen? amen. So this passage, see, it calls us basically to stick together. We have those different, uh, you know, our, our gifts are different and so on. But, but where we have the common purpose, it's what enables us to stick together. Christ enables us to stick together using our giftings. You know why? Because it's not out of selfishness. It's not selfish ambition. I'm trying to help others get together. Hey, I'm running the play that heaven has called. And that is to make Christ, you know, to know Christ and make him known, right? And so because I'm doing that, what happens when I function as the part that I am I, I'm contributing to the rest of the body. The rest of the body is benefiting from my gift. The rest of the body can benefit from your gift. But you got to use it. Amen? Amen. I'm going to share one final story as, as we close here. Um, and this is the story of a man uh, who went fishing. Um, the importance of sticking together. God can't help us if we don't stick together. Amen? This story, uh, uh, a guy and his, his friend, they went out fishing. And uh, after a while, the friend who hadn't fished much, you know, he, 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 um, he stood up. He got excited about the fish he was catching. And, and as, he, uh, as he was getting excited about it, all of a sudden he fell into the water. And when he fell into the water, what happened was is the, uh, he's, he's struggling to get near, back near the boat. And his friend, you know, that, that took him fishing, he reaches out and he grabs him by the hair to kind of pull him back up into the boat. The team can go ahead and make their way to the platform. Um, he, he reaches out, he grabs him by the hair to get him in the boat, and then his toupee came off. <laughs> so he's fl uh, flailing around a little bit more and finally gets close enough, and the guy reaches out, and he takes him by the arm, and he starts to pull him in, and his arm comes off. It's prosthetic. And the guy's flailing worse, and, and he reaches out again, and, and he, he grabs him by the leg, and he starts to pull him in, and the leg comes off. Moral of the story, we got to stick together if God's going to help us. we got to work together. If we're going to see God's anointing and his glory manifest in the body of Christ, and people coming in, they feel God's presence. They feel God working in their life, calling them to a closer relationship with him or into relationship for the very first time. If that's going to happen, we got to stick together. we got to work together. It's got to have the right motive behind it. Can you say amen? So listen, 
I want to pray for you today, but I want to ask you to stand as I pray for you. I have to be honest. There's times I'm up here preaching and, you know, there's times I can tell you that it's more me than it is God. I don't want it to be that way. I never want it to be that way. But, but there's this relationship with God and our giftings and using them, make no mistake about it, our humanity is, is evident, is it not? I know the worship team, I interact with our teams, our children's ministry teams, our youth teams. In that interaction, there's always that, that, that struggle of, of all the things that we try to do and yet wanting to do them to, for God to be the one that's seen, not us, amen? And yet there is that wrestling back and forth. And I know today as I've stood up here and as I've spoken words, I've felt moments that God's presence has just, I've felt it like a, a wave just filling the room. And I hope you felt that today too. And I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right where you're at. And the reason for that is take your, take your eyes off the natural around you. Focus on heavenly things. Sometimes you got to separate your natural vision from your spiritual vision. When I go back on the first or the last Sunday of the year, I talked about 2020 vision, dreaming big for this year in your life, of what God, what God can do in your life and how he can use you. And I want you to know he can use you in amazing ways if you yield yourself to him. So I want you to pray this with me. Heavenly Father, today I ask you, Lord, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, I ask you to draw out of me, Lord, your purpose and your will. Lord, I, I ask you to help me see how that connects to your church. God, how that connects to our community. How that connects to my family. And Lord, how it connects me to you. Heavenly Father, today I yield my life just a little bit more than I did yesterday. And Heavenly Father, I ask you to help me yield my life just a little bit more tomorrow than I am today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hey, listen.